Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God. Do you believe Jesus? Not do you believe in Jesus, but do you believe Jesus? You know, it's uh, Easter time here uh, in North Carolina, and churches uh, had a big Easter services for the first time, I'll say, in two years, because last year, COVID, everybody was locked up. So this is the first time in a while we've been able to get together, whether outside or inside. Uh, some churches, they even um, act out the crucifixion event. Um, others will have large crosses erected. A church down the street from us always draws a good crowd. Um, they run a big food pantry as well. They erected these three real big wooden crosses across the street from their church. And so I thought that looked beautiful. So you have all of this pageantry around Easter, don't you? And you have people that are go to service on Easter and, and on Christmas out of a reverence and respect, out of even curiosity, out of a just cultural norm. It's what you do, right? You go to church on Easter. And uh, they may say that they're Christian. They may say they are believing in Christ. But my question for you today is, do you believe Jesus? Our text verse is Matthew eleven fourteen, And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. Matthew eleven fourteen. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at what Jesus is saying here. This is the red letter print. This is what Jesus is speaking. Uh, and he's saying, if you will receive it. And he's mentioning Elias or Elijah, which was for to come. And he's saying, if you'll believe, if you'll receive it, if you'll take my word and have a measure of faith then you will understand. And so that's what we're going to look at today is if we are really believing Jesus. Uh, this this message, I preached it during Easter Sunday morning. It was a blessing to me. I believe it was a blessing to our congregation. It's it, it, There's something to this here, and there's a lot of scripture I'm going to go through, and I want you to do your very best to pay attention, tune in, and I promise you'll get something from this because it's very fascinating to look at how the Lord is using both the Old and the New Testament to really teach us about his calling on his people and about the true faith that we need to have to believe Jesus Christ. So starting in Matthew 11, verse 1, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard in the prison, the works of Christ he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto him, unto them, Go and show John again the, those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John. So John's uh, disciples or John's um, team members, if you will, are going back to the prison to tell John what Jesus had just said. And then here Jesus is telling the people that are left, uh, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. 
And, you know, if you know anything about John the Baptist, he was a wilderness man, a mountain man, as I like to call him, all dressed up in animal skins, eating hor- uh, hornets and beehives and all kinds of crazy stuff. He was a rough uh, looking fella. And here do we see verse nine, but what went ye out to see a prophet? Yea, I say unto you more than a prophet for this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily, I say unto you among them that are born of woman, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. So here in verse 11, Jesus is saying that rough and tumble mountain man, that guy eating uh, hornets and bees nests and honey and wearing animal skins. And I imagine him unshaven and just kind of all just not clean. Jesus is saying what? That he is the greatest human that ever lived. Literally among them there that are born of women, there have not risen a greater than John the Baptist. So Jesus is saying this is the greatest human that ever lived. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with showers or eating uh, healthy foods or, or wearing a suit or dressing up. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen. But it just kind of goes to show you the heart of God. I just thought that was neat. And then here Jesus clarifies, notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So, of course, those that are in the kingdom of heaven are greater than John the Baptist. He was clarifying that John the Baptist was not some supernatural figure, but obviously uh, had very high esteem for him. Verse 12, in the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. Well, that's another message in and of itself, but so true. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if ye will receive it, This is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, that's we're kind of getting to our text verse. And that's Matthew uh, chapter 11, 1 through 15. And now I want you to go to Malachi, Malachi 4. So Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. And this is the last bit of the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi 4, 4 through 6. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Harab for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. That's how the Old Testament ends. I always think it's kind of interesting to see God just kind of reprimanding uh, everybody one more time, being like, lest I've got to come and smite this whole earth with a curse, I'm going to send you Elijah. Now, in the Old Testament, this promise that God was going to send Elijah, everybody took it literally. Why wouldn't they? It says, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day. And so, Jews, even modern day Jews are still looking for Elijah. Back in Bible times, they were looking for Elijah. And we see here that Jesus was saying uh, in verse 14 of Matthew 11, and if ye will receive it, Jesus knows their state. They know, he knows that these people know their Old Testament, know their oral Torah, the tradition, the, 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 the laws, the rules that have been recited to them. And that he knew they were thinking, okay, that Elijah had to return. And what Jesus is saying is, if you'll receive this, John the Baptist was the forerunner or is the forerunner at that time. He's saying, look, this man in prison, that is your Elijah, which then signifies, what's the importance of that? It signifies that Jesus Christ is the Messiah because the Messiah was going to come after Elijah. That's what we see. And we see between Malachi and Matthew, from my research, about 400 years time, right? So we see about 400 years time, and that's why people are doubting. I'll give you the end of the message at the beginning. Some people like that, and uh, it's this. 
You have to have a measure of faith to believe Jesus. That's why he said, if ye will receive it. And just like they did then, when people were literally looking at God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, uh, just as they did then, they'd have to receive it. They'd have to suspend some logic. That They'd have to kind of imagine what he was saying. That They'd have to take him at his word. Just like they did then, you have to do that now. There will always be someone that's going to try to talk you out of the Bible. There's always going to be someone to tell you that you need to look at more contemporary forms of worship and newer translations and uh, some of these um, more liberal uh, congregations. They say they've translated it differently now. And some of the scriptures, they don't exactly mean what we thought they meant. And some of these things we thought were sin, were well, maybe not sin. And, and, and yet God is telling us, don't add to, don't take away Trust me, have faith, and most importantly, have faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you must believe on Jesus. God is asking us to have that measure of faith. Amen? A couple of things about this kind of series of scripture that's so interesting. Number one, John hears about Jesus from where? From prison, right? And he sends his messengers because he's in prison, and he's like, okay, here, you know, think about this. You're God's servant. Hey, what are you going to get? You're going to get a trip to the Bahamas. You're going to get a uh, a sports car. No, you're going to get locked up. All right. So you're 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 the greatest man that's ever lived. And where are you? You're in prison. You're persecuted. Which I think is another reason why our Lord and Savior complimented John. But it's very interesting because John was doubting. Right? He was doubting. He was saying, "Is this the Christ? Because if it is, why why am I not getting broken out of jail?" Uh, you'll remember other times in the Bible, the Lord chooses to. Uh, jailbreak uh, his his servants, um, Paul and Silas being a famous one, uh, Peter, I believe. And so this time, John the Baptist was not taken out. In fact, he ended up being uh, beheaded by King Herod. So he's sending messengers to see, is this really Jesus? And what's so interesting is John the Baptist had met Jesus before. In fact, they met when they were in the womb. Uh, in Luke 1, 41 through 44, one of my favorite verses of scripture, you see Mary uh, visiting her relative Elizabeth, and Mary's pregnant uh, with a miraculous virgin birth. Uh, well, what will be the miraculous virgin birth with Jesus? And uh, Elizabeth is uh, old in age and miraculously is pregnant with John the Baptist. And if you remember that scripture, John the Baptist actually kicks because the Holy Spirit... Uh, uh, is as soon as as soon as uh, Mary comes in and Je you know the Holy Spirit is present obviously and John the Baptist kicks so John the Baptist knew Jesus when he was in the womb but here he is in prison and he's not quite sure and he's he's doubting and he's saying let let's see and Jesus response is what he gives the signs of his appearing the blind see the lame walk the deaf hear the lepers cleanse the dead raised up the poor preached to you know that's still true today amen. That's, I mean, look, the heart and soul of God's ministry, the poor being preached to, you know, you, you look at all these churches and I know there's some that are doing quite well and so on and so forth, but there's so many little churches out there that are going and knocking on doors at, at these lower income neighborhoods and so forth. And the people going there are just scraping to get by here and there. I told my wife, there's a beautiful video I saw on YouTube. This guy has got an amazing voice and he was wearing his scrubs. He just gotten off of work and he's sitting here singing at the piano. I said, that just reminds us our church. You know, people can come into our church just getting off of work. Uh, you know, we, 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 we get by every month, but we don't have a whole lot. Amen. And uh, many other of the Lord's churches, they're just like that. Many of, of, of those with a soft heart that's willing to accept, willing to have that measure of faith, 
they're of the poor persuasion. Why? Well, maybe because they have to have faith when they don't have money to solve their problems. Amen. And that's a blessing in disguise, isn't it? It's kind of ironic. The rich person thinks that they're wealthy, but really they'll fall. That's out of Proverbs. We won't get into that today. But Jesus says, this is the sign of my appearing. The poor preached to, dead raised up, lepers cleansed, deaf hear, lame walk, blind see. Amen. That's our Jesus Christ. That's to assure John that truly is the Christ. And then Jesus says something fascinating. He says, blessed are those that aren't offended. Aren't offended because Jesus knew that the gospel is offensive. Jesus knew that calling sin, sin would offend many. And so here he is showcasing that, another just valuable piece of the scripture. And then, of course, Jesus praises John the Baptist. And again, I believe the fact that John the Baptist was in persecution uh, at that time uh, really elevated his status because he was suffering for the Lord, right? It wasn't easy for him to serve God. God knows our context. And when we suffer for God, I believe that enriches uh, just just our lives more. You know, I know God can't love us any more than he already did by sending his son to die on the cross for us. Amen. But for us, maybe when we just bear it, grin and bear it and go through it and take up our cross, man, that Holy Spirit just starts to dwell in us, doesn't it? And just lifts us up and miraculous things happen. Amen. We get strength that we can't find any strength. That's biblical right there. But here's where Matthew and Malachi intersect. The Israelites were looking for Elijah. They still are today. And Elijah, Jesus is saying, was really John the Baptist. So it was kind of like this curveball, but God did it on purpose. Why did God do that on purpose? The same way he hasn't maybe completely revealed himself today, because you have to have faith. You know, uh, one thing I've learned a lot about since I've, I've been called to preach, I was called to preach maybe four or five years ago, six years ago. Uh, I've had a church now, uh, thank the Lord, and it's all the Lord's doing uh, for almost two years. I can't believe it. it'll be two years in August. And one thing I've learned a lot about is I've really had to dive in for these messages and research and study and pray is the more that you seek God, the more he reveals himself to you. And um, there's scripture on that as well. I've preached on that before, but there's a road sign when I'm driving back from Lincolnton over towards Kings Mountain where we live. Uh, there's a little road sign and it's a, it's kind of a little yard sign and it's on a public street and a little intersection. And it's just some clouds with the words, uh, if you don't know Jesus, uh, pray that he'll reveal himself to you or something like that. Very short. And I thought, you know, that's really fascinating. There was no scripture cited, no church name, nothing. And what that, that sign was trying to communicate, I believe, is the concept in the Bible that the more that we draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to us. The more that we get into his word, he'll reveal himself more to us. Amen. And so what we see here with Matthew and Malachi is that as we have this measure of faith and as we dive in, God will open up the floodgates and he'll give us all kinds of information that help us to understand truly who he is. Uh, going through Genesis uh, uh, in our night services at our church, and I'm studying the book of Revelation at home, so it's really interesting to see these bookends. Uh, but in Genesis, you were looking at the genealogies uh, in Genesis 5, and if you look at the the Hebrew translation, not the transliteration, but the actual translation of the Hebrew, it spells out essentially the gospel message right there in Genesis 5. Just another example of, you know, who's going to take the time to get into Genesis, to get into chapter 5, to study the name of each uh, person, right? And then to put all those things together, mention this genealogy. And the answer is someone with the faith that they believe, hey, this is God and God's going to communicate something. And then God rewards you with that. Amen. It's really beautiful. 
So who was Elijah? Okay, who was Elijah? The Israelites, they were looking for Elijah. They got John the Baptist, but they were looking for Elijah. Who is he? Uh, he's very famous in the Bible. Uh, he challenges King Ahab, evil King Ahab, and he hides by the brook and is fed by ravens during a famine, uh, set out his judgment on the evil king. That's 1 Kings 17, 1 through 7. Elijah stays with that widow there and her son during famine, and God provides uh, the widow the barrel of flour and um, jar of oil that never runs out. That's 1 Kings 17. 17, 8 through 16. And that widow was very rewarded for her faith, allowing him in. I, I asked my congregation on Sunday, if someone knocked on your door and there was a stranger and you were in a famine and you had barely anything left and they said, let me come in and eat with you. I'm a man of God. What would you do? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that woman had great faith, amen, and she was rewarded for it. Uh, Elijah calls fire down from heaven in a showdown with the false prophets of uh, Baal, uh, Baal on Mount Carmel. That's 1 Kings 18, 17 through 40. Just an awesome set of scripture there. Seen the mighty power of God uh, firsthand. Uh, and then, you know, Elijah went through doubt and depression in uh, seeing and hearing from God in Mount Horeb, which is the same as Mount Sinai. In fact, our scripture mentions that uh, about Mount Sinai and Moses getting the commandments. I believe that was in our Malachi scripture. Uh, Elijah ends up there. And remember, you know, there was the wind and the, the, the earthquake and the thunder. And then there was this still small voice of God there with Elijah comforting him as, as he had his own doubts. And so even he doubted, right? And he was a great, mighty prophet, mighty man. And then God sends Elijah to take over for Elijah. And um, yeah, Elijah was taken to heaven in a whirlwind, the second Kings two, one through 11. Also note that Elijah was concerned. He was the only one that believed in the real God. And God told him, no, there's still 7,000 Israel who had not bowed down to Baal at the time. And I think that's another great message, man. There's just so many messages in this. There's so much depth in this, but for the sake of time, I got to keep moving. The idea here is Elijah is a mighty man of God. Israelites thought Elijah was going to come back, but no, John the Baptist comes back. He is the forerunner to Christ. Excuse me, he doesn't come back. He, he shows up on the scene. He's the forerunner to Christ. And it's not a second coming of Elijah. It's John the Baptist. And then you see in scripture that that's well noted as well. Isaiah 40, three through four spoke of a voice crying out to prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Uh, in the uh, Israeli Mishnah speaks of a return of Elijah to settle all disputes and make peace. Uh, that's the oral Torah written law. Uh, Jesus alludes to being called Elijah in Matthew 16. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Um, in the book of John, you know, uh, they approach John and say, are you, are you, uh, 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 are you Elijah? Are you a prophet? If not, why are you baptizing? Uh, King Herod, who beheaded John the Baptist, thought uh, he uh, he was resurrected as Jesus. That's Mark six fourteen through sixteen. Uh, Luke one uh, one chapter one seventeen mentions John the Baptist will go uh, in the power and spirit. Uh, of Elijah, Jesus addresses Elijah's second coming and that it was happening in Mark nine eleven through thirteen. You can piece this together. Very clearly, the Bible, when it's redundant, when it continues to mention something, that's for emphasis, right? So what God wants us to know is that this happened, John the Baptist is playing this role, and this is very clear, right? And why is it important? Well, the reason why it's important is it sets up prophecy from the Old Testament. Uh, it sets up the fact that now Jesus can truly be the Messiah, 
And yet it was understandable that people would have doubts. Uh, the people in the Bible, they doubted Jesus, and they still do today. And that's why the title of this message is, Do We Believe Jesus? Not just do we believe in him, but do we believe his words? Because if we believe his words, there's so much there. But it would take an act of faith uh, to believe that John the Baptist was the Elijah they were seeking, and Christ was the Messiah they were awaiting. This all comes down to faith. That's why it's all punctuated in Matthew eleven fifteen. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. You have to hear it. You have to go ahead and say, I, I believe you. You are credible to me. You have done miracles, right? Jesus had went through all the miracles that he had done. Uh, and he is saying this. And so we know that you are someone special, right? Like Nicodemus says, Master, we know that you are of God because no man can, can do these things and say these things. But then you have to connect the dots and say, I'm willing to open my heart and believe. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we, do we believe that he's alive and well? Can we agree with that? You know, we have knowledge about who he is, but do we really believe him? Do we know him? Do we know him like, like our family and friends? We know those people and we can say they're alive. We can say what they like and they don't like, right? I know my son likes chocolate. He's alive. I see him eat a lot of chocolate, embarrassingly, embarrassingly a lot of chocolate. I know he's alive. I know what he likes and I know Jesus. I know some of his traits by getting in his word. I, I know he loves children and he has a heart for the fatherless and widows, the poor and downtrodden. And he has a heart for those that have believed on him as Savior, for those that have given themselves to him, that have opened themselves up to him, that don't have any filthy uh, 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 attitude about them, don't have any kind of greedy plot or plan. They're not being deceiving. They just truly believe in Jesus. I read the word. I believe it's true. I have faith. And I'm asking you today, do you? Because if you do, here's the big lesson. If you do, it'll lead to manifestation. That idea of an opening up, as I mentioned, an idea of seeking God leads to understanding him more. Uh, John 14, 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Okay, so we're not saved by keeping his commandments. We're saved by believing on him, believing in what his finished work on the cross, Jesus Christ. But if we love him, if he really is Lord of our life, if we really love the Lord, we love God, and we, we truly appreciate what he did for us that we could never do on our own, then we have to have his commandments. That means understanding them and then keeping them. That means living by them. And that shows that we love him. And then when we love him, he says he'll make mention of us to the Father, right? Jesus is the mediator, right? He'll make mention of us to the Father and will love us and will manifest himself to us. Manifest means to be plain, open, clearly visible to the eye or obvious to the understanding, apparent, not obscure or difficult to be seen or understood. See? You know, there's a lot of examples of this. I think of the parables in scripture. Sometimes Jesus would have to stop a parable at the end, tell the disciples privately what exactly it meant. What was Jesus doing? He was manifesting himself to them. He was giving them greater understanding. And as we have his commandments and keep his commandments, we get greater understanding. We get closer to God. When we believe what Jesus is telling us here, he's giving us clear instructions for how to live our life. 
And if we say, okay, we believe that and we're going to do that, we're going to live, love our neighbor. We are going to love the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord God, with all our heart, soul, and mind. We are going to not have any idols. Chances are we're going to need to get rid of our idols. We're going to not let anything take first place in our hearts. We are not going to serve mammon or money or materialism. We are not going to uh, uh, be drunk or out of control or belligerent, right? We're not going to give any kind of appearance of evil doing. Uh, we are going to uh, be charitable beyond measure. We are, we are going to evangelize by telling people the truth about Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, the good news, amen? To have his commandments, there's one key here. And I talk to my family about this a lot. We have Proverbs time as a family. And the, the thing I, I probably repeated a hundred times at this point, it's so important to have his commandments. It takes wisdom. And to have wisdom, you must fear God. Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. You know, we must have a healthy fear of God. And the reason why I mention that is when you see people at Easter at church and you never see them again, or you see people even just mention something about God on Easter time, around that time, and never hear them mention anything else about God, or you just see people in the world in general, and you ask yourself, why are they not living for the Lord? Why have they gone afar off? Why have they not opened up their hearts to this, right? Well, again, God Almighty knows. We don't know everything. He does the saving. But what we could assume is they don't fear him. They don't fear him, right? You know, we we have a nature about us as sheep, right? The Bible calls us dumb sheep. And I think that's an understatement uh, for myself, at least. Um, when we have a uh, open door and it looks prosperous, we might take it unless we fear uh, the one behind us or near us, right? We don't want to be chastened. We don't go near that open door. And that's how kind of God allowed life to be, that we have free will, that he's not going to stop us, but he'll chasten us, chasten those that he loves. And it all comes down to the idea of, do we fear God? You know, if you fear God, then you will crucify the flesh. You will take up your cross every day. You will get in his commandments. You know, I try to teach our church about the commandments of Jesus. I'll be honest, there's tons of them. I mean, you can look them up online. There's lists. You can get into God's word, of course. You can get into Oh man, the commandments of Jesus, there's more than just a few, there's many. And we are to understand them, to have them, and to keep them. You know, and think about the society we live in. We aren't rewarded to pray or even to allow to pray in some places. And the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. We aren't supposed to take a biblical view on marriage. We're scolded when we do that. And yet the Bible tells us that homosexuality is an abomination to God. You look at Sodom and Gomorrah as a sign and the wickedness on and on. We aren't supposed to evangelize and tell people about Jesus, even though the Bible clearly commands us to do that, to take the good news to the whole world. We aren't supposed to call out sin for what it is. We're, if we call out sin, we're looked at as lacking understanding or being racist or sexist or homophobic or bigot or legalist or radical. You see how our society has perverted the ways of God? I heard the preacher say the devil has no new material. He just perverts what God does. Our society reverses that order from Proverbs 9. They don't fear God. They don't have wisdom and they don't have understanding. It's just a perversion. Don't fear God. Don't have wisdom. Don't have understanding. And of course, from Isaiah 520, a very uh, familiar verse, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Wow, I wish I had more time here today. Uh, but you get the idea. We're living in a wicked world. And God's calling us to live for him, 
unequivocally believe him. Not believe him in a sense that makes you look good to society or at the workplace or at school or wherever else or among peers, but believe him so much that you're willing to stand against the tides of society, to, to be that hedge in the gap, to, to have that great faith. You know, if again, if I have more time, we'll start talking about the faith of a mustard seed. And that's what God's asking us to do is not have a huge amount of faith. He's asking us to have a tiny amount of true faith, and that will do huge things, huge things. But we must believe and we must understand 2 Timothy 3.12 tells us that we will face, all that are godly will face persecution, will suffer persecution. If you're living for the Lord, you're going to be hitting a lot of walls, having a lot of problems. Hitting walls, I mean just hitting barriers, okay? Obstructions, right? I don't mean physically hit the wall, but uh, you, you're going to have a lot of trouble. You're going to face a lot of persecution. You're going to have problems. Hey, that's a sign you're on the winning side. Don't quit. Don't give up. Get after it. Praise God for all of this because there's great reward for those that live for the Lord. The consequences are eternal, but the pain is temporary. You just have to believe. Get rid of the unbelief. Stand up to the cultural tides that are so rip-roaring everywhere. Live for God. Just stop going to the places that there is sin abounding and stay close to God and with God's people and you will be blessed. And at the same time, bring that gospel to every heathen you can. Let them have a gospel track. Let them have a testimony. Let them understand that our Savior lives, amen, and that we are not supposed to just look at the work on the cross as this um, sacrifice that happened once but that it was an eternal work that was done on the cross. And then we accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. We are forever saved. We are forever changed. We are a good tree bearing good fruit, and we won't be an evil tree. We will not uh, bear evil fruit because we are going to live for God with our mind, body, and soul. That's what God wants. You see that that's what God is doing. Amen. I got to go. My time is up. But I ask you now, trust God, turn to God, live for God, and you will be blessed. You're listening to KJV Cafe. As you learn the great truths in God's word, we encourage you to take the verses mentioned in this episode and study them. Trusting God will open your eyes to a deeper understanding of himself 